Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Broaden Your Perspective podcast, where Johnny Sue, your host, sits down and talks with the individuals I meet along my path as an undergraduate student. Currently, I'm a third-year student studying in the Science and Business program specializing in biochemistry. Waterloo's co-op program gives me the opportunity to do five internships. Join me as I talk with fellow students, professors, entrepreneurs, doctors, athletes, and much more about their journey and experiences. Hopefully, you can learn something from this episode and truly broaden your perspective on life, family, work, whatever it may be. Without further ado, here we go. Okay, so um, this is kind of a very general question, but what have been some of the highlights for you as an undergrad? Like whether that be an academic highlight or a uh, professional experience highlight, like in one of your internships or even just, you know, highlights as an undergrad, like with the friends that you meet, uh, the other extracurriculars, like some of the stories that you're a part of, what do you think have been some of the biggest highlights? Um, so definitely top of the list is the cool like internships and stuff like that I've done, but a close second is definitely, so I've worked a lot of odd jobs on campus. I'm definitely a busy, a busy body in high school. I like worked two jobs, basically my entire high school career. And in college, I've worked a ton of odd jobs on campus. I've been like a barista. I've worked at the campus bookstore. Um, I'm a bartender. Um, just like all sorts of stuff. And people are always like, how do you have time to do that? Like it's in, you're like in college, but I've genuinely loved like every job that I've ever worked. Like working at the coffee shop was so much fun. Bartending was so much fun. Um, I don't do that anymore, but it was just like such a fun job that I had. And apart from that also, I'm in a social sorority, as you mentioned, a business fraternity. Um, I, and the treasurer for our um, university's Hyperloop team, which has been like one of the highlights of my career, of my collegiate career for sure. Um, We basically work with, so SpaceX hosts a competition every year, the Hyperloop competition. Um, And basically the point of it is that um, like collegiate teams will make a Hyperloop pod and race it on the track. Um, And each year there's like a different goal. You either go for speed or um, the best braking mechanism or at least amount of friction. So I'm the treasurer for our engineering team. It's like a big monetary like thing that we have to do because it's hundreds of thousands of dollars it costs to right. create the pod and also fly everyone out to California and do all that. Um, but I think the coolest part of it is just the interdisciplinary nature of like, these are engineers at U of I, so they're like super, super smart, and but they know that they can't do anything um, without my help. Like the dumb, like business student, they have, they know that they can do <laughs> it without the money. So them trying to explain to me what they need, so I can go and source material for them, and then me trying to explain to them like why we can't afford certain things based on our like the money scheme that we have going on and stuff like that. Um, it's been super fun, and I've met people that there's no chance that I ever would have met um, if I wasn't a part yeah. of. So that's been super yeah. cool. Um, I started my own club on campus um, with the help of some friends last year. It's called ISCA. It's Illinois Sports Consulting Agency. And one of my friends, um, a friend's roommate at the time, actually, approached me with this idea for a consulting agency, but like a collegiate consulting agency. And basically the premise was 
working with um, specifically with athletic teams and sports like apparel manufacturers, stuff like that. Um, so one of our first major clients was actually the University of Illinois athletic department. And um, their first like big problem that they brought to us was that the, so UBI is a division one school. We're a big 10 school. So we're really big into athletics and stuff like that. Not that we're good, but we are big for that. Um, but we only have two sports that actually make a profit, football and basketball. Every other sport at the University of Illinois loses money. And so they're basically asking us, like, we make money with football and basketball, but the revenue that they get for that eventually goes towards um, making up for the deficit that other sports cost. So mm -hmm. they asked us, um, specifically, they were looking at tailgating. They wanted to bring tailgating back to the University of Illinois because that's not something that we generally do as um, students. And if you can bring people to tailgate, they'll generally go to the football game, which can increase attendance, increase in ticket sales, increase in sessions, just generally means more money for the athletic department. So we were able to pull together a really cohesive um, collection of different aspects of what we thought would be able to increase uh, attendance to those games for them. And they're planning on implementing that next year, which is super cool for a club that's literally like a year old um, for us to do that was awesome. Yeah. Um, what's tailgating again? Oh, okay. So tailgating is actually, so we don't really do it at University of Illinois. It was something that was started a long time ago, but a ton of other schools across, I guess, that's just the U.S. probably do it. But before football games, I think it's just football games, basically, um, people will like drink and grill and just hang out in like the parking lot before the game starts. Um, it's generally done in like campers or people will bring like trucks and set things up, like just like in the bed of their truck or on the ground. Um, and there's like a ton of grilling, drinking. It's just like a really fun, like family friendly activity, I guess. People do it in front of, for like collegiate football games, like um, like for national, or I mean state football teams too. So it's a really cool like tradition. It's just not something that we do at the University of Illinois. But if you ask people from most big 10 schools across the US, I'm sure a majority of them would tell them, would tell you that their like favorite collegiate memories are tailgates. Like that's what everyone talks about when you think of like a traditional college experience. Wow. So yeah, Waterloo definitely does not have any of that <laughs> to my uh, to my belief because we are are we are not known for athletics whatsoever. Like basketball, football, it doesn't matter what it is. Like we're not known for that kind of stuff. So we never have tail. I think we we have like one big event like every year. That's uh -huh. that's about it. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't think we've ever had a tailgating party before. So the big but, thing, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead. So like the big thing at Illinois, actually, since we don't tailgate, um, so at Illinois, all bars are 19 and up. That's like the big okay. of Illinois. Because um, everywhere else in the U.S., obviously, it's 21. So for football games, people will wake up at like 8 in the morning and start drinking on a Saturday morning instead of going to tailgate. So we just go to the bars at like eight in the morning. It's like our thing instead of tailgating. It's a terrible right. idea, but that's just basically what we do. And so the university is trying to get people to not do that. One, because it's just like an increase in underage drinking and all of that. But also because if people are going to drink, they might as well do it where like it can be moderated and policed and then go spend money at the football game. Like that's just the point u of i is trying to enforce at this point okay so what 
are you are you allowed to go into more details of the the specific case that you're talking about in terms of the the school coming to you and, and trying to increase ticket sales like what was the solution that you guys look to implement um so i'm trying to think of like more of the specifics so one of the big things that we talked about was um the reason that people like going to bars is because you just bring yourself and you don't actually have to do right. bringing grill or bringing drinks or any of that so we were looking into getting permits for the major bars at the university of illinois to actually bring their to like bring like whether it's like a bar cart or whatever it is to the tailgating area and then serve drinks from there. So in that case, it's a lot of like what permits are required. Um, how are they going to enforce the 21 and up drinking regulations? Will this result in an increase in drinking tickets, stuff like that. So we dealt with a lot of that. We also looked at um, on more of the legal aspect of it. A big reason of why people don't want to drink just in a parking lot is because um, when you're in a bar, there's like a feeling of safety. They're like walls. Um, UVI is kind of unique in this aspect because you can be 19 to enter, but you can't drink until you're 21. Um, but inside a bar, it feels pretty safe because you like know if they're, if cops are going to be coming in because there's only one entrance to that bar. Um, so I think people feel unsafe drinking in like a big open lot if you're not 21. Right. And um, so we also d- talked to like, the university police and um, what their standards are for when they feel as though they would um, come start handing out drinking tickets because people know that like frat houses and stuff like that like they're drinking but I genuinely have never met anyone who's gotten a drinking ticket at like a frat house so there really is like a standard to like what at least university police feel like is something that they would need to get involved in so we were asking them how can we I mean, this is, wasn't actually what we asked them, but we were just basically asking them, like, how can we make this as safe as we can for our fellow students at U of I? Um, so that's right. one of the reasons that we also pitched them. Okay. But the premise of it was try to increase the number of people attending these tailgate parties before these big games so that more people would buy tickets to increase the revenue? Yes. Wow. That is, that is really cool. Yeah, um, and we also we're looking at like so uh, U of I has a huge Greek life population. So that's fraternities, sororities, business fraternities, um, pre med fraternities, stuff like that. So how do we um, create incentives for these huge groups of people to like tailgate and then go to the games? Because that's a majority of people who make up um, like block, which is what we call going to the bars really early before games. So. Specifically working with, like, I'm in a sorority. A lot of the other um, members in our organization are in other Greek, Greek life organizations. So being able to pull from their personal experiences and be like, what do you guys think is going to work? Right. That is that is super cool because that's not even, like, a problem that I would even think of that a university might have. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to learn that problems like these even exist in the first place because yeah. Waterloo is definitely not known for our Greek life. Like uh-huh. my perception of frats and sororities is totally skewed. And we'll get to that a little bit later, but I've yeah. just had a few more questions about the sports consulting agency part. So like you mentioned that you only started for a year, but how did you, how did you go from like inception of the club to actually getting, you know, a big time kind of client to come to the agency saying, Hey, we need your services. Like what was the process like of starting the club by yourself and kind of building it up and getting some clients? Mm-hmm. 
So it all kind of started with, I met um, my friend's roommate. His name is Will. He's the president of the club. He's awesome. He's definitely the person that we needed to run this club. He basically just came to me and he was like, yeah, we should totally do this. We started out with a white page um, and we basically talked through what we feel like the goals of the club would be, what we wanted the club to look like, um, how would we get sponsors, stuff like that. From there, it really was a question of, one, recruiting people that we really felt like were going to be able to get this job done um, in terms of like group members. Two, getting a really good executive team in place. And three, reaching out to um, like university teams. We also even did like a really cool consulting project for a minor league or a, it's called a minor league baseball team, which is basically a like super small baseball team that operates in Kane County, which is like a county like south west of Chicago, I would say. Um, and they are actually a pretty reputable team, but they just had low attendance recently. So we looked into how to increase their attendance. So we had like a lot of cool people that we worked with. I think the big selling point for getting these clients was we literally want to offer you free consulting services. Um, like, will you let us help you? And so people were really, really receptive to that. And I think that we did really good work with a lot of good, like, very, like, tangible selling and like plans and what we thought was going to be really successful. And we were able to give that to them in like a really nice package basically and show them how they would be able to implement it in the future. So getting clients was um, absolutely, I give all the credit to the president, Will. He, this is like his baby and he feels super strongly about, he would like go on calls. He would, we met with the athletic director a couple times and, um, talk to them about what their goals are for the university. And then from there, we just, they gave us the creative freedom to just kind of run with it. Damn, that is, that is super cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to me about frats and sororities, because (laughs) before I came on this exchange, you know, my perception of what frats and sororities were, was what I got from American Pie, you know, movies and stuff like that. Um, But then, you know, we kind of really started talking more about what it was like to be part of a sorority and especially your business frat and some of the other things you were involved in. Like it was was totally different. You were telling me about things like you guys would share cover letter formats, help each other out with jobs and internship searching and and whatnot. So just talk to me a little bit about what it's like to be part of a a sorority and part of a a business frat. Yeah. So um, University of Illinois just generally is a really big school for Greek life, as I've mentioned. So um, my first semester freshman year within like the first two weeks basically my roommate and I decided that we were going to rush a sorority um and it's it's a really weird process like even if I'm thinking about trying to explain it to people that don't that like haven't seen it before it's super weird you get like dressed up you walk into every house there's like a scripted conversation that you have um they literally sing and dance for you it's very strange um and so what does what does rush a sorority mean? Okay, so the process of getting into a sorority is called rush. It's basically a big mutual. Okay. It's like a mutual um, pairing process, I guess. It takes three weeks, and I'm not kidding you. For three weeks, campus like all you hear about on campus is like rush, 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 rush. Like everyone's rushing, like um, because rushing is also called dry season for sororities. So um, members of sororities are not allowed to go out and drink during that period. So it's like everyone just indoors, like it's like 
campus is super dead. And um, the freshmen basically are paraded around to all these houses. Um, you have meetings. And so there are a bunch of rounds. So it's like first round is called open house. And you go to every single house. You have a conversation with every girl. And after first round, you start um, like houses start dwindling. So there's after each round, you go and you basically like put your top, like I probably like 10 houses. Um, and then the houses will also rank you based on like literally a five minute conversation. They'll be like, oh, like, um, like, did you like what you talked about with her? And they'll basically rank you on a list. And if they rank you highly and you rank them highly, then you get matched and you go back to that house. If you rank them low and they also rank you low, then you just don't go see them again. Okay. So are all these different houses, different sororities? Yes. So each sorority is a different house. And the only sororities that are part of, so it's called PhD, Panhellenic Council, and um, they are only um, social sororities, and they're not multicultural either. So they are, like, basically just, like, the, when you think of American Pie sororities, like, that's, this is what I'm talking about. Like, sororities, PhD is that kind of sorority. Because there are other sororities on campus. There's, like, an agricultural sorority. There's like um, a professional sorority, so they like are focused on engineering. Um, they're like they're like Indian sororities, like a bunch of different ethnic sororities. Um, but what I'm specifically talking about is like Greek sororities. Okay, so these are the ones where it's like party a lot, drink a lot, just like have a ton of fun, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I really okay. have no idea what I was getting into when I got started, but. Um, it's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. It's weird. Right. All the stuff is like, just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. So what happens after this open house round? Like you get called back to the same house that you guys ranked each other highly. And then how, how do they decide from there? So basically, yeah, if you guys both rank each other highly, then you end up going back to their house. You have another round with them. And I think it's a second round where they, so I I don't know if you've ever seen like the videos where they're like clapping and screaming in front of the house. Do you know what I'm talking about? No idea what you're talking about. (laughs) So um, basically I should, I should like fast, I should rewind. So the week before school starts at Illinois is what's called a work week. So every sorority on campus moves back in to their house a week before, and um, you spend that entire week prepping for recruitment. That means like getting um, like the decorations in the house made, um, learning your chants and your dances and your cheers. And recruitment is a big, oh my gosh, it's a big thing because it's basically like 50 girls are in the house at a time. So there have to be 50 girls talking to them. Um, And there's like bump groups or what they're called where like a girl will come and bump a girl out of her room. So she'll basically like take that girl's spot and then you'll talk to like two girls in a round. It's super complicated. It's very strange. But um, so that happens two weeks before. So literally, I'm not kidding. Um, for like a full week, we practiced like chanting. Like we had like chants that are related to the name of our sorority. And um, we scream and clap and um, like flip our hair. You should look this up on YouTube. It's really scary. I'm not <laughs> It's really, really scary. Okay. And so for like a week, all you hear on campus, because it's just like a bunch of Greek houses all over campus, is just like screaming, girls like screaming all the time. Um, It's so weird. It's really weird for me to try to explain. It feels normal. Um, But not only that, sororities spend, I can say this because like 
I've actually seen like the breakdown, like thousands of dollars on recruitment. I'm not kidding. Thousands of dollars go into like recruiting girls. It is insane. But where do they get their money from? So we pay dues. Um, dues are pretty expensive. Um, dues are so you pay dues just being an active member. Living in the house costs more. Dues generally covers like um like a semi formal barn dance, like a a date event that we do. Um, other like date events. You get two meals a week at the house, which are like really good meals. Sisterhood events. Um, where we'll have like games and crafts and stuff like that. And then also um, upkeep of these like, like beautiful homes. So um, I can speak for like my house. We have a cleaning lady that comes three days a week. I'm um, like a full-time chef staff. I'm um, like, we don't do dishes. We do any of that in the house. Like people take care of all that for us. Um, not only that, but like manicuring the lawn. The lawn always looks like flawless. Um, all the furniture inside the house, electricity, Wi-Fi, all of that. So we got really like cool stuff. Um, so that is all paid for by dues. My dues are around a thousand dollars a semester. Um, okay, that's not too bad. Yeah, it um, it it like one time someone explained it to me, and they're like, "It's like buying a new MacBook every semester." And I was like, "Oh my god, like it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a lot of money." So yeah, right. Okay, so how many how many girls would be in like one house? It's generally two hundred girls, so that's 50. in one house. Oh, that they won't all live in at the same time. So generally, oh, okay, class will live in at a time. So about fifty girls. That's uh, probably like forty girls will actually end up living in, but there are about fifty girls per pledge class. So that means like at any given time in a sorority, there are two hundred active members. So. The house can fit 40 people. Like, do you yeah. get your own room or do you have to like um, share, like share rooms? I shared a room. Some people got their own room, but it, it goes by like seniority. And, um, the way that my house did it was you get, um, like first pick or like top pick of houses. If you have more points, so you get points by like going to sorority events. Okay. What are some of the sorority events? Um, <laughs> it's like really funny. So we do kind of like weird stuff. So we'll have like, my favorite event ever is called cereal party, where we'll just buy like 50 different types of cereal and we just all like eat cereal together. Um, we do like, <laughs> we do like, crafts. um, also going to, we have this thing called barn dance, which is really big in, I think it's like just Midwestern schools where you like take a date and you go to a barn in the middle of the forest and you just like get drunk and dance. Yeah. So damn. You get like, that sounds fun. like that. Yeah. It's super fun. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, really uh, fun stuff. <laughs> do, do like the different sororities have like beef with one another or do you guys all like hang out within like the different houses? Uh, so I think it's different at Illinois just because we have so many sororities. I know that, um, at school, schools with like fewer sororities i'm sure it's easier to like tell like what rankings and stuff like that are but illinois there's so many how to do that um i have friends in other sororities i i have i think like most of my friends are in like different sororities i wouldn't say there's beef with sororities as much as like frats have beef and stuff like that but sororities are generally pretty friendly also like hazing Mm -hmm. is not a thing in sororities people ask me this actually a lot 
Like hazing is absolutely not a thing in sororities. I don't know who ever said they've gotten. <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. I was hazed with love, if anything. Yes, like, yes, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, that that's super cool to hear because, like, Waterloo might have their like frats and sororities, but it's definitely not as like organized and event filled as like what you're taught what, what you're yeah. telling me about your experience but like who oversees the these sororities and who ensures like the continuity or like the the longevity of these sororities like is there like a like a president of each sorority that like kind of oversees like operations and stuff or like like how does it work so is it have, affiliated with an organization yeah so we actually like i'm i'm a member of phi sigma sigma so we are phi sigma sigma llc like we are like an official business um, we have a nationals with like full-time employees, people whose literal entire job is to run sororities all day. Um, Damn. Like Phi Sigma Sigma is like a very, very wealthy organization. They own like these huge houses um, across co- collegiate campuses. Like there's literally a woman, her name is Sammy, and her entire job is to come to University of Illinois during recruitment season and like run our recruitment. She like has them like a microphone and she just screams at us to like chant louder or like flip our <laughs> stuff like that i'm not even kidding um damn so when you're living in the house they recruit out of your room so like they'll bring girls and like show them your room and stuff like that so it's called um you need to be your room needs to be recruitment ready and that means like like you can't even have a backpack in your room they make you like put it all like behind these curtains um also, anytime that you wear anything that's affiliated with your sorority, so like if you're wearing letters or anything like that, you have to be hair and makeup ready. So the rules are like heat must have touched your hair, so you have to either straighten it or curl it, and you have to be wearing makeup. Those are literally the rules. I cannot make this up. I'm not kidding. So like we have like a major nationals whose full-time job is literally to take care of our sorority. Wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um what about uh, how does the business frat work then? Because I know this business frat is kind of a different, different vibe, different experience. How does how does that work? Yeah, so my business fraternity is like a completely different thing, which is not to say that I don't like love my sorority because I I am still in it, obviously. So I've had a really good time and made really really cool friends. But my business fraternity is like the coolest organization that I've ever been a part of in my entire life, and that's just it. It is um. Like, so our pillars basically are, like, brotherhood, um, we have, like, social, philanthropy, and then professional. And I can genuinely say that we are, like, so in tune with all three of those things. Um, so getting to a business fraternity, fraternity is hard. We have, I think it's, like, 800 people, like, come to our information night. And our pledge classes are de- generally 22 people. Um, so it really gets narrowed down from there. Um, it's, like, two rounds of interviews and then we also do like a social stage where we cut people as well um and it's just like the most like interesting driven passionate people that I've ever met in my entire life and they're just like so cool and so we, we have like professional things where you have like a big brother um who basically is in charge of like making sure that your resume is up to par they run you through like making a LinkedIn and making sure that you like have a good time just like in the business fraternity generally we do a like every week there are like probably eight or nine little events that they'll hold so they do like um we do like a bunch of stuff with like excel where people like teach you excel skills 
Um, I hosted one about cleaning up your social media for future employers. Um, and then apart from just professional, we do a ton of philanthropy events. Um, we do, we partner with like a local farm in Champaign and we help them take care of their baby goats. Um, we work with old people and not old people, elderly people that are at like, um, like an old folks home basically. And we spend time with them, like reading books and playing games, taking walks. And we also volunteer, like obviously through the university of Illinois at like career fairs and stuff like that. Um, and then there's also like the social aspect, which is like, they're just the coolest people that I've ever met. And like all my best friends are in my business fraternity. And we have like the same thing as social sororities. We do like barn dance, um, semi-formals. We do formals, like dances. Um, we have like every Monday night, we watch The Bachelor together. Um, we do like Mario Kart together and we take trips. Oh my gosh, we take so many trips. Um, there's like a Habitat for Humanity trip that we take every spring break. Um, every winter break, there's like a big ski trip that goes on. Our seniors every year go to Nashville. Um, so it is genuinely super, super well-rounded. This is like a secret that um, like sororities say that they're super philanthropic and stuff like that. Maybe I can only speak for my sorority, but like they are not nearly as philanthropic as my business fraternity. I can tell you that much. <laughs> wow. So it's just like everybody in the business crowd would just do all these different events together and hang out and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's also super cool the way that it works because um, we have like a point system. So going to philanthropy and professional and social events gets you points and you need a certain number of points every semester. Not that it's like hard to get that amount of points because you, you like hanging out with people in PGN, but um, like you need a certain number of philanthropy points. You have to go like do these philanthropy events, but you can do what you genuinely like enjoy. So like I really like going to the retirement home and speaking with like the, the people that, that are there. So I do a ton of that. And I really like volunteering with baby goats. So I do a lot of that. Um, there are other philanthropy events that I like don't really enjoy. And I just don't do those. And I think that the system that they have for making sure that people take part in all three pillars is really important. Right. So is there also in like an organization that oversees the operations of the business, the business frat? Or is it just like, is it as official as like a sorority or? So there is, um, I, I would say that it's not as hands-on as Phi Sigma Sigma is with my sorority. Um, they like oversee it, but the big thing is that I don't think they provide any sort of financial help um, to our business fraternity. Whereas Phi Sigma Sigma, we like pay dues directly to nationals and the national allocates us money when we need it. Um, so we do, I think my business fraternity is a lot more independent from the nationals, although we do have a national organization as well. Damn. So let's say I wanted to start a business frat in Waterloo. Would that be possible? Number one, you absolutely should because it's amazing. Um, but yes, you totally can. Actually, they're looking for people to start their own chapters like all the time because they're obviously just trying to grow it. And um, like obviously the alumni connection is huge and you just feel very connected to people that have been in your organization it doesn't matter if it's just at your school but any other school so you're obviously trying to grow that name recognition I would say that PGN is probably one of the smaller business fraternities in terms of like number of chapters in the U.S. compared to I don't know if you've heard of like AKSI or um, PSP they're both like I think probably a little bit bigger but I think U of I PGN is like definitely a really big one a very prestigious one too 
The Broaden Your Perspective podcast is meant to be a platform for anybody who has a story to share. If you want to come on the podcast for an episode to talk about your journey and experiences, feel free to reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or by email. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a rating or review on whatever platform you're listening through. I would greatly appreciate that. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Johnny underscore Sue. That's J-O-N-N-Y underscore H-S-U. And to follow the Broaden Your Perspective podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and Facebook.